0: You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace.
1: Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk.
0: Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects.
2: It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners. Now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy, we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove The agency bill from our agency. People, if you're not using total pay by IPFS, you're definitely leaving money on the table.
0: And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level.
2: Having partners like Mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance it's all of the value that you're able to add and with partners like mineral who can help with both hr and environmental health and safety we can't help but win
0: this is power producer shop talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power Hey, everybody.
2: Welcome to Power Producer Shop Talk, where apparently my new guest host is Byron Felfick. You know him from Bachelor Season 2. Also, the Profession Bassmaster Tour. If he had it backwards, I'd call him Karch Karai, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen today because I think his <laughs> volleyball game is weak, even though he's looking to uh, resurrect you know it with Maverick coming out.
1: I uh, I I do fancy a little bit of pool volleyball. That oh. shit is is where it's at. I mean, your feet will be bleeding after, after the fact, but, uh, oh man, we used to do pool parties at post Rocky point. when My buddy lived over there like five, six years ago, every Saturday, they would just be out there. Pineapple Bob would be walking around with his soaked, soaked rum fruits, (laughs) passing them out to everybody. And we just get after it in the pool with some volleyball. Good times do not have a
2: net in our pool have a basketball goal like a legit basketball goal not one of the yes. crappy little pool basketball goals like the big yeah. I, i'm like one step away from a plexiglass me- metal goal, rim yeah pool. right I've and that's everything. the way that
1: you've got to do it because you want to dunk when you're in the pool like i mean just had to shooting. move into
2: the deep end honestly because it just wasn't challenging really? enough well look let me just go ahead and give you i'll lay this down for you number 1 <clears throat> We wanted to be able to dunk, and I was risking yeah. people ending up in a wheelchair for the rest of their life because they're like messing around in the shallow end. Number two, one side of our pool is taller than the other, and if we want to take shallow a running end. jump – no, I'm talking about the sides of the oh. pool. There's like a higher <laughs> okay. height. Yeah. Gotcha. So we jump off when we're doing cannonballs. We jump off the high side where the waterfall
1: yeah, yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. As that opposed makes sense. to
2: the other side. But you can also jump from that and do all kinds of trick dunks from that side of it. So, and I can also attest after watching Grayson and some of his friends get a little out of hand in the pool at one o'clock in the morning a few nights ago on my ADT video camera. <laughs> and apparently you can hang on the ring and it's rim and it's not gonna fall over. So
1: I like that. that. Like that. A little forceful dunk, a little tomahawk action. I will say that the uh, volleyball nets in the home pools are tough because of course you've got yeah. the deep end, the shallow end, and that's just not gonna work. This this particular establishment that I was speaking of is has got a uh, pretty shallow pretty shallow. Yeah. So
2: like, like like a lap pool.
1: Yeah, but massive. Anyhow. Yeah,
2: well that's fine. You probably have swim meets there. I don't know. Something like that. So, anyhow, we're going to wrap up what we were talking about on fleet safety. We talked about driver selection criteria. We talked about having a progressive disciplinary policy and a formal um, fleet safety policy, possibly an incentive program. But the other thing we got to talk about is training. And I think that this is something that a lot of carriers have in their arsenal. um, And it's good for you to use that. So, for us, you know, for me specifically, when Florida Risk launched, one of my one of the first things that I had to do was figure out how I was going to deliver the same kind of stuff I would normally deliver without having to go invest in a bunch of stuff in a bunch of resources, okay? And so, You know, understanding the process of me going into a middle market account Mm -hmm. and doing a baseline risk assessment and then subsequently creating the risk management plan that's going to govern that relationship for the year and assign assign responsibility to the agent, the carrier, the the client, and then whoever third parties we're going to use is important. But I would always try and use the carrier for the fleet safety portion of it if I didn't have the ability to do it. I would be able to go in and talk workers' comp. I could talk return to work and all of that, but I just didn't want to have to do the fleet safety piece. And so I would always assign that on the risk management plan to the actual carrier that was going to write the business. As I started cash flowing and bringing more money in, I had you know broker briefcase that I used at the time. Uh that had some level of training in there um, where there was a PowerPoint and a test and everything else uh, that you need to do that training live, like an attendee sign-in sheet, certificates of completion and all of that. Mm -hmm. And this is before, um, at the time, this is before Zywave had a learning management system. So there wasn't even an option that I was aware of that I could do a learning management system. I did not know KPA existed or you know. Even if I did, I probably wouldn't have spent the money at that point in time. Sure. Like I do now. But I took that information and I took their PowerPoint. I took their test and everything. And I just created my own video version of it. So the problem with those longer form trainings is, especially if you're dealing with service contractors and everything else. When are they going to do it? Yeah, you're going to go in and ask for 30 minutes to an hour. Right. Right nothing wrong with doing it live. I encourage you do it live to do it live so you can engage, but plan on doing that at six or seven o'clock in the morning, because that's when they all get to the office before they get dispatched to their jobs. Mm -hmm. And that's the one time you're going to be able to get everybody in one place. And I said, you know what? This is really not going to be optimal for them or for me. Happy to do it. But I took the long form training and broke it down into four or five videos that were 20, 25 minutes. And I took the PowerPoint and did a screen record with Loom. And I did my my voiceover and, and anecdotal stuff around that. But I did it for distracted driving. I did it for defensive driving. And I did it for one other one. I don't remember what the third one was, but it was really generic. I didn't use company names in there or anything else. I just recorded it as if I was talking first person to the audience. And then what I would do is every time I would bring a new account on, I created an intro and an outro with their logo and some you know, music or whatever that would welcome them and I, I branded it your that company name, University. And then so we started mm-hmm. building out a training library for each one of the accounts. Obviously at this point we have multiple options between mineral and KPA depending on account size in our agency where all of that stuff is already done. But I want people to understand: you don't have to have that in place. You don't. You, there's, yeah. you don't you're not required to go spend a bunch of money. You know, I, I was talking to a group about technology and agencies up in um, New York earlier this week at the Big Eye New Yorks Go Big event, and my whole talk was on using technology to influence sales. Mm-hmm. And I always start those conversations with. Letting people know where I came from, what I started out with, because I don't want people thinking, oh, well, this guy's got all this money invested in HubSpot and he's got tools like KPA and Mineral. Of course, you know, you're going to go out and write business, you know, because you're, you've got money, you know, the rich get richer kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. That's not the case, man. When I first started out from a tech perspective, I started out with a laptop and Microsoft Office. That was it, right? Yeah. I, I would mean, go dude, even when Internet. I came
1: on board, there was, I mean, we didn't we didn't have much going on. In, in terms no, of the, we were the we stuff. were
2: ready to get, we were we were in the throes of getting ready to move towards HubSpot and everything. But I mean, right? I'm going back 15, 17 years oh, ago okay. when I first when I first first started. You know, I was doing the same thing that that we talk about: go to Reference USA to get demographic information, go to sunbiz.org to get the yeah. FEIN and and look and see what other things the leadership might be involved in. But that mm-hmm. was all being done on a laptop in a spreadsheet, right? And the right. other thing was I would do my email marketing the same way I would do my email marketing. I would get the email, the, the, the address from the, the email address from the spreadsheet. I would create the body of the email and word, and then I would use a mail merge and outlook to send it out to everybody. What a horribly inefficient way to do things. And I would never recommend anybody do that again. If you're that tight for money, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, but you could go out and get an email program for like nineteen ninety nine or twenty-nine ninety nine a month, and you could mm-hmm. go in and create all of your emails in that and get some level of information, you know, of what people are clicking and opening and all of that stuff. And at least you're you can automate that, right? So I think about the monthly emails that we send out as part of the rolling twelve month solicitation calendar that I built and I talk about in Teach and Killing Commercial. You could build that in Mad, uh, Mad Mimi or Mailchimp or one of those. You just create the template for each of those emails, mm-hmm. and then if you have, then you just create lists of people based on when they um, when their renewal is, and then every month you have to manually do it, but you send that email to that list, and it's a few clicks. It's still not as nice as being able to go in and just have it automatically done by your CRM, but it's a reasonable mm-hmm. step. For you to get there but these training programs are important and and i tell you this because it's not just because it's the right thing to do which should be the number one reason it's the best thing for you to do for your client or your prospect or whoever but the other thing is you know you want to document this stuff you know if an underwriter says well they've had three at fault claims over the last you know three years well this was our first year with them and they've had none Or this is our first year with them, and they've only had one. Let me show you all of the things that we've been doing to make sure of that. Let me teach. Let me show you how we use a learning management system in our agency to make sure that people understand. You know that they're getting the training, and we're documenting it, and all of that.
1: I think that uh, the the thing that's really nice about using KPA or um, Mineral or really you know other ones that are out there. is that it pushes it out to the employees quarterly or monthly or whatever you set it up. And, and it shows the person in house who's monitoring that, like if they've completed it or not and they can follow up on it. I think it's obviously a little bit tougher to do that. If you're just kind of creating something and sending it out via email and hoping that they're following through on it, but at least it's something that you're like, ultimately they've got to have some accountability too and, and have, have got to hold their people to a standard and, and get it done but you're right at least you can show carriers hey look here are some of the things that we put in place this has been this has been the outcome so far and i mean that that just makes the conversations you know around renewal a lot smoother um and and everything with the underwriter in general i think that's i think that's huge but um definitely the automation of, of how we've got it going on now where they can get in their own learning management system and monitor that it's slick.
2: Yeah, and I think that it's very, very valuable at the point of sale too. So we started these three, these last three weeks worth of shop talk, talking about a call that I had with somebody in Killing Commercial that was frustrated because they had a contentious meeting yesterday, and you know, the net net of it when we got to the end was I I, I finally I, I looked at the guy and I said. You understand that there's competition in there whispering in their ear now. I said, because everything that I'm hearing that was brought up, this guy didn't just come to this conclusion overnight. Somebody's in there. I said, and and listen, I said – This is right out of my playbook, man. This sounds like I'm calling on one of your accounts. Yeah. Talk to me about your fleet safety program. Talk to me about your fleet management system. Talk to me about your telematics. How do you use those? Tell me about your progressive disciplinary policy. Do you have a clean driving incentive program? What do you do for training? How do you document that? Where do you warehouse it? How can you be sure everybody gets through? And you just start peppering people with all of these questions and – it's it. This is like, this is
1: stuff that you're telling him to ask the. Yeah, uh, I'm telling him that yeah. this is
2: what the whoever's in there competing with him oh, okay. on this right. account. Is this that, is, is probably these what they're saying because this yeah. is exactly what I would do to you if Got I was it. calling on this account. Mm-hmm. As soon as this guy gave me any kind of an inclination at all that he would get irritated because he couldn't ask, uh, he couldn't add drivers properly or at the rate he wanted to, I'm a dog on a bone, man. I'm going to go right down that rabbit hole and I'm going to hammer every fleet safety question that I can. And eventually I'm going to figure out a way to tie it back to some sort of financial pain that he's having, because Mm -hmm. this is a guy that was able to articulate exactly how much revenue each one of his trucks was bringing in every year. Wow! If you give me that in a sales meeting, that is gold. I'm going to do yeah. the math in my head every single time to talk about how long it takes for that truck, how much money that's going to gonna cost you when that truck is out of service, or how many trucks you have to have on the road to overcome total cost of risk and an assumed profit margin. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've got a bunch of trucks, like this was a big fleet, and they're making a half million a month being on the road, that's a big operation.
1: For sure. Even more reason to do it the right way.
2: Which blew me away. It blew me away that the formality wasn't in place, but it didn't surprise me that somebody's in there snooping around because with the types of questions and the wedges that were being driven and all of that Mm -hmm. it let me know that it was probably a big broker a a larger broker that has all of this stuff on hand and can just go in and it's the same thing over and over and over again And the the truth is the agent that's on this that's my buddy is a good agent he has the ability to deliver a lot of this stuff and I told him I said this is the problem that you run into when you deal with contractors like this I said i've dealt with this firsthand you have all of the toys in the toy box they don't want anything to do with them they don't even want you to talk about them because they're so focused on growing top line revenue and just getting jobs done and then they act like they've never heard you talk about it before because somebody else comes in and they talk about what they can do to solve an immediate problem Mm -hmm. when you've had the solution the entire time the way you need to solve this is you've got to get in and that's when i sort of went into the mirroring and the labeling piece that we talked about earlier i said but you got to get in you've got to let this person voice their concerns and get it off their chest and get it out there so that you can say hey look i realized that at the time i mentioned this to you you were in high growth mode and it, it seems like now you have a lot more time to focus on some of the profitability issues and things that are driving costs inside the operation i'd like to would it be crazy if we revisit some of the stuff that i i can do for you because it appears you don't you don't realize i have these capabilities based on what you're saying mm-hmm, right it's good and I think it's important that you do that. Um, now, in when I get up and talk and I talk about mirroring and labeling and all of that, I always tell people, and there's people who have heard me speak publicly that are already read, just chomping at the bit to criticize me for putting I into that conversation, I did that intentionally. So when you're mirroring and labeling somebody as a prospect, you always want to say it sounds like it feels like it seems like not. I'm hearing I'm feeling or whatever, mm-hmm. because the second you put I into the conversation, it becomes selfish and about you and not about them. And most producers already have a problem with making the conversation about them instead of the prospect. So you don't want to do that in this situation. I specifically used I, because this is about me. This is about my capability and the fact that this person doesn't remember it. And I want them to think about, okay. Oh, okay, now he's talking about himself. I don't want there to be any lack of clarity whatsoever as to what we're able to deliver when I start laying it down. But there's Mm -hmm. no excuse. Every single person out there has the ability to start doing this for their client. Whether you use the carrier resources, whether you do the thing, things that I did where I just created my own videos and then was able to do an intro and an outro for each time I brought a new new client on, or whether you go out and you use a mineral or a KPA or whoever else that's out there, that's got a good, learning management system and you use them to to do this stuff the problem is agents see this as a way to get business they don't view it as a way to keep, to keep business it. yeah they don't they're not they want to promise they're no different than the payroll reps they go out and they promise it at the point of sale but then nobody ever uses the hr function and it becomes mm-hmm. this sort of you know, cast thing that's cast aside and and people don't even realize they have the 800 number they can call for ask an expert or any of this other stuff when, Mm -hmm. you know, we just drill that home as much as we possibly can. And you know what? It works, right? That's why when I go into an appointment, I tell them I'm the guy that delivers what everybody else has promised you, period. Here's how we do it we have this system and here's who you're going to be accountable to in my organization to make sure you use this system i mean we picked up a multi-million dollar account at the end of 2021 going into 2022. And it was because we have that system and guess what? A lot of people in my ecosystem have benefited from us getting that account because it allowed me to bring in my benefits and 401k guy. It allowed me to bring in my, my payroll people. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden we've got this thing running like a pretty fine tuned machine because they listened and we, we weren't just promising to do it. They figured out pretty quickly after the first meeting, that when I laid out what KPA does and everything else, that we were serious about using it in their operation, because I had Nicole on the phone with them every single day doing the discovery checklist, building the different modules out. And guess what? We recorded about a 12 minute video of our custom build out of their risk management center. And we sent that to underwriting to get the workers comp placed so that they could see we had the controls that were necessary. Doing the training is one thing. Having it documented is something completely different. And that's that's right. it where I think a lot of people lose out is the agency doesn't have it. The client might have it. But when the client's responsible for it, a lot of times if you're not going in and reviewing those records, it's shoddy at best. Yep. Do this stuff as part of your value prop for your agency. Not only are you going to write business leading with it, but you're going to retain the accounts you have by simply providing the service that you promised to when you wrote it. That's all I got, man. We're going into Memorial Day weekend. We talked about mm-hmm. doing an episode number four. It ain't happening today. I'll, I wrote down the topic. I'll deal with it next week because, cool. like I said, it, it's Memorial Day weekend. I've been gone. Dude, you've been we, a
1: freaking absolute just you're on tour, really.
2: I know. It's been crazy, and I don't like it that much. I, I mean, I enjoy spending the time with everybody and getting up and talking. I hate I don't traveling. like being away from I, Yeah, oh, I don't God, like being terrible, away dude. from home. No. Yeah, unless I'm uh, traveling to Key West, June 23rd through 27th, with a group right. of just just animal insurance agents who don't know how to behave when they get out of their house. It's gonna be wild, Doug man. Doug Benz, I'm talking to you. Doug Benz, talking to you, Benz. <laughs> uh,
1: t- I'm telling you, man. I just need to get go ahead and get a house down. I don't think I told you this part, but I so I've got another buddy that's getting married that's doing his bachelor party there in uh, November. So I've got 23rd through the 27th. Coming home for two or three days and then I've got my one buddy's bachelor party, like that first week in July. Then we've got a trip with the in laws in August to Key West and then come back in November. I just need to need to go ahead and get a little uh little bungalow down there. Yeah.
2: Bungalow away. I'll let you determine which side of the rainbow crosswalk you want that to be on. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good Memorial Day weekend, everybody. You're going to hear this long after the fact, but hopefully these last three episodes will help some of you that have been struggling with the current environment of auto to figure out some things you can use at the point of sale to drive business and things to figure out in your service pipeline to keep business. Until next week, see ya.